Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 365, recorded on Monday, the 11th of January, 2021, at 2251.38. Welcome to the first proper episode of the year. And the end of those incredibly annoying to do 12 Days of Christmas shows. Though they were short, you might have missed some good stuff. I did talk about some geek things during those 12 days. Now that I say that, and I'm not looking at the show notes of any of those pods at the moment, I'm really not sure what happened. Anyway. If you want to catch up, you know where to go. So let's just do the show. Perhaps I'll put a little summary of what I did in those 12 day shows in the show notes, if you're interested. Okay then, on with the show. Although I still have not seen Bill and Ted. (laughs) I did see one movie, and that's The Midnight Sky. In this film... A sick scientist seems to be the last person on Earth when he makes radio contact with astronauts who are returning from an expedition to an extrasolar planet. The plot's further complicated by the appearance of a slightly mysterious character and the fact that this sick scientist is located in the Arctic. George Clooney produced, starred and directed this film, which is an adaptation of a novel that's really about loss and redemption and just dressed up as science fiction. It does, however, look cool and the acting is great. The effects are effective. The sadness of it all really did kick me in the guts, and I liked it a lot, even though it wasn't hard sci-fi, which is something I'll get onto in a bit. I also saw the last two episodes of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. I thought the very obvious die-hard tribute in the penultimate episode of the series came off as, honestly, a little bit naff. I didn't really see the point in it. As for the finale of season three, I'd say Jonathan Frakes is a good director, but the scripts he has had to work with were pants. The whole burn thing just annoyed me. The show needs better writers, or if that isn't possible, perhaps pivot the show to hard science fiction. I know Star Trek was never about science, it was about people, but doing a show about people is difficult. And also, I haven't seen writers of the calibre of DC Fontana or Harlan Ellison in Star Trek for a very long time. That's why I say they should pivot to hard sci-fi if they can't manage doing the soft sci-fi. 
because no show currently does that. And people like me have been thirsting for hard science fiction for a very long time. Yes, there is The Expanse, but come on. (laughs) A lot of that, like the gate thingy, the proto-molecule, and those very special drive systems that enable ships to go zooming around the solar system. Not very well explained, and not really hard sci-fi. Although they do do things like gravity really well. That's my recommendation, Star Trek people. Come up with a new show that is proper science And not just some nonsense about Tetrion particles. That's a wall filler. Do you know that, Tetrion? It's a wall filler in the UK. And what was the other one? Chronotron particles. I'm sure... Those are all made up, but now I'm thinking, yeah, you know what, if you're a physicist and it turns out those things actually exist, let me know. But I'm sure they're just made up nonsense. On to a related topic regarding hard sci-fi. How many times have I said hard sci-fi tonight? And that is Ringworld. I just am hoping that Amazon's upcoming adaptation of Larry Niven's hard sci-fi novel. I said it again, take a drink. Ringworld isn't crap. I also hope that the main character, Louis Gridley Wu, is played by an actor with some Asian genes. And I and I just don't mean one gene. I want the guy to be visibly Asian. But, you know, I am still looking forward to that series. I just hope it's good. I've got so much of a stake in this, having been a Larry Niven fan for years and years. Oh, man. Please be good. And on to... Well, I was going to say technology, but I've got no technology news, really, in this first show. Let's move to creative and talk about the mammoth stool from Ikea. Yeah, look, it is creative. I know it's not about something I've been writing, but iconic design is a creative topic. Although, in this case, we'll talk about iconic design versus production reality. My second Ikea mammoth stool has cracked. Mammoth is the name of a squat plastic stool that loads and loads of people have. They're very cute. They come in bright colours and they've been made for, I don't know, a very, very long time. And I really like the look of them. My first one broke catastrophically and my second one has also broke quite badly. And they haven't really been treated that roughly. And that's really a pity. Because I've bought a lot of things from Ikea over the years. And despite the Scandinavian store's cult status, a lot of those things turned out to be substandard rubbish that really broke quite easily. It's not just this mammoth stall. It's quite a few other things. I bought a bed... That gave me no end of problems. I bought some bookshelves that meant I had to keep 
making repeat visits to the store because parts of the shelves were broken. And now it's these two mammoth stalls. And there are other things too over the years. IKEA are an innovative and interesting company with some really cool designs that are cult designs as well. They're objects of desire like the Poang chair. But the reality is that many of their products are poor quality and of low durability. I remember this being parodied in the Friends episode when they try and assemble the Sven. I can't remember what that was, whether it was some kind of bookcase or coffee table or something. And I'm afraid I also can't find the clip, but I do remember an episode of Friends. Oh, man. Was it Friends or was it Seinfeld? No, I'm not quite sure. Oh, and also, just as an aside, those two IKEA Svalet lamps that I bought recently and mentioned in one of the 12 days pods still seem to be okay, but they are a little top-heavy. They tend to very easily fall over. So that's it for my little foray into industrial design. Let's move on to another creative matter. Let's get a bit meta and talk about podcasting headphones, which have been a source of constant pain for me. So far, I have tried to upgrade from my cheap JVC HAS160s that I'm wearing at the moment to the excellent Bayer Dynamic DT150. And those were good in that they fit my long elf-like ears, but they also went back because the ear cups were very loosely attached to the band, which led to endless adjustments, which is really annoying. I like headphones that when you adjust them once, they stay there and then you just need to take them off and put them on and take them off and put them on. But these ones just wouldn't stay put. Then far more recently, days actually, I bought and then returned another excellent sounding headphone, the Sony 7506, another cult studio production headphone, and they went back just a few days ago, because the ear cups are small for over-ears headphones, and they hurt my elf-like ears. And so now I'm back to the JVC HAS160s. They're on-ear type headphones, so there's no danger of them cropping my ears. But it's not the best solution. I still wish I could find some really brilliant studio cans, but I just can't. So, for the time being anyway, I'll just make do with these sub £10 UK on-ear headphones. The JVCs are at least easy to drive, and they seem to pick up every click and pop imaginable on a track, which is what you really want. The only trouble with them, and I've said this before, is that they are fragile, they are getting scarce, I'm not even sure that JVC make them anymore, 
and the pleather ear pads, like all pleather ear pads, will eventually degrade. In preparation for the day that those ear pads fall to bits, I, a few months back, I believe, bought five pairs of foam ear pads from Amazon, which are not quite as great as the originals. Those five pairs cost £7 sterling, and at least it should make my headphones last a bit longer. I have so far replaced the earpads on both mine and my mum's headphones. We've both got HAS160s, and they're okay. One benefit of these slightly cheaper open cell foam pads is that their thinness allows for a more transparent and louder sound because not only are they thinner, but because they're thinner, they bring the speaker bit of the headphones closer to your ear canal. If your pleather earpad coating is also badly peeling, but the cushions are otherwise alright, you can try something, and my advice is to use sticky tape wrapped around your finger with a sticky part on the outside, and then dab that up and down on the ear pads, and that will remove much of the remaining vinyl, and keep doing that until most of it's gone. You can also try very fine grain sandpaper, but that seems to be a little more aggressive. After you've removed the pleather remnants, you can suck out the bits that have fallen into the ear cup with a hoover, and you might want to do that anyway just to clean out the gunk. If your headphones are beyond that kind of cleaning and are too expensive for cheap foam, Brainwaves makes sheepskin leather-covered memory foam replacement earpads, though I can't vouch for them because I haven't tried them, but they do seem to get good reviews. You can also try that leather repair goo, but that stuff is pretty expensive, and a can of it is more expensive than new earpads. Another tip, oils, including the skin oil on your ears, eats pleather, so wiping the pleather down after use will greatly extend their life. Pleather. Pleather, pleather, pleather. I really love saying pleather. It's a great word, isn't it? Pleather. That tip about removing the vinyl from peeling headphones, I've done that with a really cheap pair, and it really does work. So it has been tested don't really have anything more to say. I'm looking at my show notes. I seem to have run out of stuff. Let's just consider the main part of this podcast done and move on to the after show section. As I said at the top of the show, if you've missed out on the 12 days of Christmas, definitely check them out. There is geek material in there and I'll put that in the show notes. Oh yeah, and I should remind people that The next pod will be continuing our vintage Doctor Who revisit. If you're into Doctor Who, you may well want to subscribe. 
It's all in the same feed, so if you're listening to this and you've already subscribed, you really don't have to do anything at all. That's it. The show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. I should also tell you at this stage that my website is a mess. It is all, however, functional. Although you'll find some of the links to older documents completely screwed at the moment. I apologise about that. It's in a mess because I'm fixing everything right now. But it is still in a state where you can visit it to find multiple options of subscribing to my pod. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Preferably Apple Podcasts (laughs) reviews. They seem to be fairly effective. And recommend this pod to a friend or a mortal enemy or click on the contact or support link on the website to help me out. That is it. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This was episode 365 recorded on Monday the 11th of January 2021 and the time at the end of the show is 23.22.10. Thanks for listening and bye bye for now. Bye.